ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. South Carolina self-imposes a five-year bowl ban, hiring new head coach Shane Beamer. Clemson is 9-1, and one, and life is good. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben, and this is the Virginia Tech Recap Show. Ben, how you doing? Is that who we played? <laughs> I forgot about the game already. <laughs> we um, got through it. Yeah. Man, like, that game doesn't count. Like, forget about it. Turn the page. There was nothing it stood out other than the fact that it was super cold there, like watching it made me cold. I mean, hell, Hendon Hooker literally almost froze to death. I mean, good to hear that he's okay. And uh, there was actually nothing medically wrong with him, but right. That kid was freezing. Um, and I think it had a huge effect on this game. And it was in, you know, large part, the reason why there was nothing flashy and it was kind of a slog of a game. Virginia Tech, uh, they planned to bleed the clock on offense and just make it just stand around in the cold. And we looked a little kind of stiff and and frozen because of that. Um, but at the end of the day, we won the game 45 to 10. So it just goes to show that we can play not nearly our best game and still annihilate the opposition. Did feel a little bit, Ben, like the Boston College game. I mean, the, the point you can, or the thing you can point to, obviously, is that the Clemson defense uh, put up, you know, shut out in the second half. But um, a little bit, you know, the game plan was sound from the coaching staff from an offensive perspective coming in to try to create the type of variance that you need to upset, you know, a, a top, top three team in the country. Um, and, you know, credit to Virginia Tech's coaches for kind of executing that down the stretch. That being said, like that strategy doesn't really work if they're not generating, you know, sustained drives. And I think probably what contributed to that in the first half was with James Skalski going out after the first, first series. And just in general, I mean, I think they, they were effective, you know, in spots running the football against Clemson. So I just want to credit kind of their team, not giving up on their season. They had a bye week right before this, but before that they suffered a pretty embarrassing loss to Pitt. And I think they lost three in a row or two in a row coming into Clemson. Um, and this was definitely a season that I think Virginia Tech thought it was going to be kind of a top two, three contender in the ACC. Um, and it has not gone that, that direction for them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to Justin Fuente after this year. Um, yeah, they had three losses coming into the Clemson game. So now they lost four in a row. You know, three of those losses were to ranked teams prior i mean liberty was one of those teams so let's take that with a grain of salt uh, one point loss at miami um in a close game against, impressive yeah in, I mean, a in a close game against north carolina earlier in the season so um they're not a terrible football team it didn't help that hooker went out for them obviously you lose your starting quarterback burmeister wasn't terrible um and then they ended up with their four string quarterback but 
Um, it was just hard to take anything away from this game. Again, I think the cold had a, a, a huge effect. Guys being a little bit stiff, not moving well. I mean, you, you saw it all across the board um, uh, uh, of kind of issues. Will Spires immediately comes to mind. Like that had to be because of the cold. Um, right. So, yeah, it was uh, just kind of a weird, slow game. Virginia Tech and the Virginia Tech offensive strategy worked because they were able to keep it close, right? It was 17 to 10 at halftime. And when you're close, you can afford to kind of go slow like that and burn clock. Um, but when it got into the second half, they were having to pick it up a little bit just because uh, they ended up being down and obviously didn't score at all in the second half. And kudos to the defense for, for holding them scoreless in that second half. And that's with, you know, James Kowski out of the game after the first series. Um, and there was a couple other injuries. Didn't Nolan Turner get hurt? Um, he went down on a play band, but he came back. Yeah. Not the very next play, like two plays later. Yeah. I, I do remember. I do yeah. remember that he, and being out on the sideline. Yeah. Then Tyler Davis went down for a little bit, uh, but bounced back in there. I know we were holding our breath when that happened. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was just, it was a freezing cold game. And it looked like it, the play on the field kind of reflected that. Um, it, it, I do want to point out, you know, I think Fowler and Herb Street questioned this on the broadcast. Uh, what was really cool at the end of the game was seeing Dabo getting hit with the Gatorade bath and actually running away and then coming back and being all like, okay, bring it on. And I think it was Herb Street who asked the question, is, is getting into the ACC championship game really worth celebrating via Gatorade bath? And you know what? Yes, this is why the Clemson program is so fun and so successful is because they celebrate these things, right? This was the the first milestone of this year that they you know put on the calendar. Obviously, we didn't have the South Carolina game, so we didn't win, win the state championship. Technically, there's no divisions this year, so we didn't win the division championship, but we got into the championship game. So that's kind of your first milestone, and certainly it's worth celebrating. And it's good that year in and year out, these kids appreciate uh, the magnitude of that and how fun it is to win, right? The fun's in the winning, as Devo said. So yeah, it's worth yeah. a Gatorade bath. Bring it on. I agree. I also feel like there were moments of the game you want to celebrate and I would call out the second half shutout from the defense. That was excellent. Darian Rencher scoring a 50 yard touchdown, you know, almost untouched also worth celebrating. And, you know, he definitely got his, his due on the broadcast and everyone from the team came over and shouted him out, which is awesome. But that was, oh, yeah, that was got... amazing. Like he, he breaks that run and you're just cheering for the kid. And yeah. he starts seeing this cheering for no flag. I knew he was <laughs> right. gone. I knew that was a house call. I was like, just no holds. Cause I think we had some backup linemen. Well, I don't know. Those DBs were closing in pretty quick. I think if he had had a, another five yards to go, he might've been tackled. Uh, yeah. But nah, that was just with everything this week leading up to it. He got the Disney spirit award um uh given to him and then to cap it off with that 50 yard touchdown run you know there's a very good possibility that could have been his last carry in the Clemson uniform I mean how much are we to expect to see him in the ACC championship game and uh potentially in the in the in the, in the playoffs right no I I definitely that thought crossed my mind on Saturday yeah. night and and Ben I I, I kind of want to go back like we didn't necessarily see him I mean we could have seen him punch the ball in against Pitt I don't know if you remember right. at the end of that game yep. Clemson went down and we were definitely in scoring position, but, you know. And they, and they were trying to get it to him, right? No, they kept running it up. Oh, yeah, you're, to try to no, get you're right. Yeah, yeah, we just couldn't couldn't punch it in with Wrencher at the end of the, end of the game against Pitt, which that would have been a hell of a send-off coming out of Death Valley um, to score at the end. But On senior day, yeah. Yeah, on senior day, exactly. But, but I have to think that 50-yard touchdown in his mind is going to live for quite a long time. It'd be an awesome send-off should that be 
his last right. carry in a, in a tiger uniform. And you know what? I almost think like his story is more worthy and be more entertaining of a Disney movie than safety. Safety too. Yeah, maybe tailback. <laughs> Let's keep it, keep it moving. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Ben, why don't we double click into the offense here? So I know heading into this game, I think a lot of us were expecting and really who was hoping I wouldn't maybe say expecting uh, Clemson and the coaching staff to really try to tee Trevor Lawrence up for a Heisman esque performance in this game. And I think I, I don't want to say he like eliminated himself in this game or, you know, his performance was not Heisman worthy or suitable for building his resume. Um, he did go for under 200 yards passing. He also threw a pick. Um, his first ever red zone pick, unfortunately, um, which really truly was a mistake on him, not necessarily something on a receiver uh, breaking up a route or anything like that. Just didn't see the, didn't see the defender, but um, I really thought Trevor did play a pretty solid game in this one, Ben. Um, it just was not necessarily necessarily there for the taking. And there's definitely some wide receiver play that left some things to be desired out on the football field. Uh, but Trevor did get moving in the running game. He had seven carries, you know, not necessarily a vintage 2015 Deshaun Watson, 15 carry game, uh, but he got in for two touchdowns, including a pretty impressive one. I thought in the first quarter um, on a read option and they were really running that read option all night. Uh, Virginia tech couldn't stop it. I think Tony Elliott did not want to put too much on film about this game or put too many wrinkles out there. So um, I thought getting TL moving in the running game is one of my big takeaways from the offense in this performance. Yeah, I think the biggest takeaway <clears throat> is you mentioned it. Um, it wasn't his best game by far, only a 55% completion percentage. Yeah, I think he's out of the Heisman race for good. He was going to have to do a lot here in the last couple of games um, to, to be able to kind of stay in consideration. But with a subpar performance in this one, um, and nothing, you know, memorable, really. I think that pretty much more or less puts him out, um, which sucks. You know, we went into this season thinking that we had two Heisman-worthy contenders in Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. And then, you know, Trevor obviously goes down with COVID and has to miss a couple games. Um, and then Travis Etienne just hasn't been able to, you know, he hasn't been able to rack up the rushing yards here recently. So, you know, at the end of the day, the goal is to win the national championship and, you know, Dabble, Dabo says this, the, the, the players say this, the individual awards are not what's important to them. It's the national championships, but you know, it's okay that they're important to the fans and that we're rooting for it. And we want to see it happen. That'd be a cool moment for Clemson to, to get their first Heisman. Um, it's kind of surprising all the great talent that's come through here um, the past several years for us to not really, you know, we sniffed it a couple of times, but even going in, you know, when Deshaun Watson went to New York, um, did Trevor go his first year? Or no. Second? He didn't he, go. Did he go he last go. year? He didn't go last year. He had those pick problems early in the season, right? Maybe he did go last year. I can't remember. Anyways, you went into those instances knowing pretty much who was going to win it, and it wasn't going to be the Clemson guy. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. We still have a lot to look forward to. You know, first world problems, right? Um we don't get a Heisman, we still get a chance to play for a national championship. But uh, yeah, just going back to Trevor, you know that he also almost had another another interception in that game. 
uh, which should have been a pick. And I think was actually maybe worse in the red zone and the, the interception in the end zone. Cause you gotta give some credit to that DB. He made a great read on that play coming from the opposite side of the field and kind of abandoning his position over there. Um, so, you know, Trevor didn't see him, but I also thought it was a really great job by that DB to get over there and pick that ball. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, TL did not go to New York last year. So it was Joe Burrow who won. If you remember Justin Fields and Chase Young from Ohio state, and then Jalen hurts from Oklahoma. Yeah, whatever. That didn't make any sense. Is it, I mean, and there's a very real chance that Trevor doesn't get invited to, to New York this year. They might do it. Well, I don't even know if they're doing it. In well, person. yeah, they're, they're, it'll all be virtual. Um, yeah, but just the fact that Trevor could have come through here three years, the best player in college football, the number one draft pick, all you know, consensus number one draft pick next year, doesn't even get to go to New York for, for a Heisman ceremony. That's crazy, but it just goes to show you that um, that's not what the program is uh, Clemson is about. That's not what it's built uh, upon. And you know what? In the end of the day, if we're in the playoffs every year and win national championships, we should be happy. And we are. Um, but just odd for him to kind of sneak out of here without, you know, that at least the accolade of even going, right? Being in the top whatever mm-hmm. uh, yeah, to, get, sure. to get the guy there. And this one too, Ben, it was an odd game. I mean, the, in the first half, I need to look it up. I think it was Clemson had four possessions, four offensive possessions in the first half. Um Shockingly, no, yeah, four, four first half possessions, only 52 plays on offense the entire game. Yeah. So I was going to say, yeah, 52 plays on offense balanced a little bit more toward the running attack. Um, so we mentioned the, the zone read um, that, you know, TL was running. Um, but yeah, just a considerably low number of offensive plays in this game, um, largely predicated on having very few series. Also, Clemson got the ball back with short a short field um, here and there as well. So right. that's not conducive to running up a lot of plays. But uh, I did also think, you know, when we look back at this game, I thought the running game, so again, right, Clemson ran it 30 times to 22 pass plays, um, but had a couple of explosive plays from uh, Darian Rencher, we already mentioned that, and Ches Malusi coming in off the bench. Uh, but Clemson still averaged, if you take those two long runs out of it, Clemson still was up over five and a half yards of carry. And finished with 7.9 on the game. Um, I thought ETN had a fine game, not necessarily his best. Um, only went for 66 yards, 4.1 average. So I would say actually below average for a standard ETN performance. And it has been a while um, since we've seen him really exert his dominance um, in a football game, at least uh, in the running running attack. But is there anything, Ben, that you're taking away from this game any, any hope, any promise um, anywhere, I guess, within the rushing game? Yeah, it's interesting with ETN, you know, you question whether his pedestrian output um, here lately is solely because teams are king on him when he's in the game, because you see guys like Malusi and Lynn J. Dixon in there being able to, to bust some runs. Now, oftentimes that's later in the game where we may be not playing starters if it's a blowout of the, uh, the opposing defense, but they're also running behind the second string guys a lot of times, um, which is not obviously not a strength across our offensive line. So, yeah, I don't know if they're just keying in on him. I don't know why Lynn J. Dixon can find holes sometimes early in the game, you know, when he's input uh, and ETN's taken out of there for a series or two. Um, it's, it's just so odd. Um, you know, you remember when he used to hit holes before they were there, like his first season, 
Like he would just take the ball and run. And it didn't matter where the, if he was in the right gap or not, he would just see green, find daylight and find the end zone. And you have not seen that at all this year. And you really didn't see it a lot last year. You know, I wonder if it's, you know, is it because of the RPOs? I, I was watching this, the rewatch of this game and they do kind of take a lot of time to develop, right? Cause you're making the decision of whether or not you're going to, yeah. you're going to pull it and pass it or hand it off to ETN. And then when they have Travis lined up straight behind Trevor, instead of to his side, um, you know, Trevor, obviously in these moments wants to run to the opposite side that the run play is called to go. If Trevor's going to pull it and keep it and run, um, but when, when Travis takes the ball, when he does get the handoff, he usually, he's getting the ball on the opposite side of where the play is designed to go. So he's almost he's having to go around Trevor, and it's just taking a while to develop. And by the time he gets to the line, like the holes are, are clogged up. So, you know, I don't know if it's a combination of, of teams just making it a specific goal not to let ETM beat them uh, running the ball this year, if it's a combination of that in the, you know, in the RPO game. Um, you know, it's, I don't know, but it's not, you know, it, it's not what it used to be. It's not what we're used to seeing. And you can talk about the offensive line all you want. Um, maybe because of the RPOs, you know, they're not able and being afraid of getting too far downfield in case, uh, Trevor throws the ball that they're just not able to get a huge push. Right. Um, they're having to be a little tentative. I don't know. It could be a mix of all of these things, but, all I know is, is that it doesn't look like what we're used to seeing from Travis Etienne, those big explosive plays. Now, we only, we only threw the ball to him or only had one reception in this game, and he hasn't really been utilized a ton lately after kind of earlier in the middle of the season he was going off out of the backfield. So that's something that obviously Clemson has in the back pocket that they're going to utilize once we get into the, the ACC championship game in the playoffs. But – it leaves a lot to be desired. You want to see more out of, out of ETN. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm just saying like, Oh yeah. He's such well, a weapon, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I honestly think this is by design from the coaching staff uh, under utilization and that's fine goals to win a national championship, but man, are we, I mean, I, Travis ETNs don't grow on trees. You know, we talked all about this season, like cherishing, getting to watch him, getting to watch Trevor play. Clemson football in a Clemson uniform and yeah just seeing two three four games where he you know kind of has a, a mediocre game really is a bummer as a fan now are they trying to keep him fresh for the playoff as far as we know Ben maybe there's something injury related there who knows well they They're still ran him 16 times in this game so yeah yeah that's fair I mean I, I just mean just in terms of burst or you know, is he nursing something and he's not hitting the holes as hard? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not trying to like, I don't know. It's, it's a head scratcher here. It's yeah, a head scratcher. So it's, um... with, yeah, without clear evidence of what's going on, you know, you, you kind of question these things, but again, you're right. You know, that, that is, that, that definitely is a capability of this offense that we, we know it can be relied upon. And uh, what's good is he has improved in uh, the pass blocking phase and in the pass catching phase which was crucial in last year's playoff and may well uh, be very important against a really stout Notre Dame front uh, coming up in the ACC championship game. Yeah. And I think what's going to help in that game coming up that it's probably going to set him up for better success. than he had the first time against Notre Dame is having Trevor in there. Um, a couple of things, Hey, Trevor can read the defenses better and, 
he's going to be better at making that decision in the RPO game than DJ was, right? And then also DJ was nursing that shoulder and they were, they were hesitant to run it. And you can obviously see from this game and all season long and throughout his career, they're going to run Trevor. So if Notre Dame is stacking the box uh, to, to, to focus on bottling up ETN, Trevor's going to beat you in more than one way. And that could start to loosen up the defense. You know, got to keep the de- the defense is going to have to stay uh, honest. And that may allow Trevor to kind of break out some long runs in that game. You certainly hope it's better than what we've seen l- lately. And obviously that first time around against the Irish. Well, and we spotted them and Boston college touchdowns on a failed mesh between uh, DJ and Travis Etienne. On the yeah. Hill. It's, it's, it's that, that too. It's kind of those little mental like mis- crispness. mistakes, yeah. you know? So, right. I don't know. Etienne was also freezing in this game as well. I mean, that kid's from Louisiana when totally. they, um, yeah. right at the beginning of the game, they had a close up up on him and he had a, like a face mask on. Well, uh, underneath some of the, some of the pregame stories were how he talked about not wanting to play in the cold much right. in past games, past seasons. Well, who wants out with him? I don't want to play in the cold either. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like getting, we, getting hit. And we, played, more. we played, we played golf Saturday morning. It was like 30 degrees at tea time. And I was wearing shorts. Um, yeah, that wasn't wise. Uh, not a contact sport though. <laughs> um, so, but you know, I thought at first maybe that all the players were like, it was mandated. They wear masks under underneath their face masks like they're doing like in the state of pennsylvania with 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 sports but uh no it just turns out he was he was he was freezing cold yeah him and and hendon hooker probably could have some good conversations over there on the sideline about how much they hated it uh other offensive note don't have too much more here um was nice to see cornell powell bounce back from a couple of mental lapses early on in the game he cut a route short i believe it was on the touchdown series where uh, trevor ran it in but cut a, cut a route short, easily could have seen that ball get picked off um, if that DB had been tracking the throw. And then he also had the PI call down the stretch. I think he had a drop on that play also. Um, but fortunately, maybe one series later, um, it, they hit him on a, on a deep touchdown. And to see Cornell kind of stay in that game, we were saying similar things earlier in the year about Frank Latson bouncing back from uh, from a lapse earlier on in the game. And, you know, two things, number one, kudos to Powell for um, continuing to persevere, continue to compete, keep his head in the game. And then for the coaching staff to continue to go back to him. Um, they didn't have too many options, not too many, you know, stud guys on the outside they can go to, uh, but still just shows a tremendous amount of confidence in him. Um, and doing that, I was surprised to only see that he had four catches on the game. Uh, they tried, tried him a few times down the stretch to get him up over the hundred yard mark. That would have been the first Clemson player to do that. I want to say four games in a row, Ben. Yeah. Uh, but in any event, he tied some of the greats out there. He had an impressive 90-yard game. Um, great season continues for Powell. And I thought he might have been the first with three games in a row for Clemson, but maybe I'm wrong about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I that's what Sammy you, had it. I believe Sammy had it and somebody else. That's what you expect out of your um, your fifth or sixth-year senior. Uh, yeah, a tight school mm-hmm. record. Um, yeah. didn't he sit out redshirt one year too? Um, uh, I guess he has to be a fifth year senior. Um, yep. But that's what you expect out of him. I mean, you see him ball out and play all year. The kid obviously has a good head on his shoulders and I, the coach has trust in him that he's going to bounce back uh, from something like that. And he did, you know, that TD, that TD catch was beautiful. 
Um, the thing that, that I'm focusing more on from the wide receiver position, and it's becoming more and more evident that between Amari Rogers, Cornell Powell, and Braden Galloway, those three guys are going to have to carry this team for the wide receiver position. We don't know if we're going to get Ngata back. Um, we don't know what to expect out of Frank Latson after being off uh, for so many weeks with, with his injury. Um, and despite what Chris Fowler says, we're not anticipating Justin Ross <laughs> to return. Um, <laughs> Good Lord. So, I already went he, in on Fowler in last week's show. I'm going to ask this week. But. Um, so hopefully we get some good news uh, from Justin Ross. I think his uh, I think his appointment was supposed to be yesterday, and they weren't going to make a the, the team wasn't going to make an announcement. They were let Ingata or sorry Ross do it, and he wanted to kind of think things over with his family first. Is what we uh, I think we heard from David Hood on Tiger Net. Um, so you know, really wishing for uh, good results for him because it could be very likely if he gets bad news, it could be the end of his football career, which is crazy. Um, but I think the earliest we're going to see him is in spring practice, um, not in the playoffs this year, but if, if he does return, (laughs) like if there's a slim chance, you know, we'll take him because we need him, right. We're really thin at that wide receiver core at this point. I mean, it really sucks that Ngata and Latson have not been able to play a full year and have just been stung by the injury bug because we really needed those guys to develop as our downfield threats because we haven't been very successful this year. We're like 25% connecting on those balls, 25 or 30 or something like that. Yeah. You know, you, you don't want to be that fan base that whines about the referees, Ohio State, or, you know, that whines about injuries throughout the year. But, man, to see your three top wideouts at WRU go down and not play, especially one of those being Justin Ross that um, I don't want to say single-handedly won us the game in 2018, but put on a show for sure and was a, was a key part last year. Um, yeah, to you lose that star power really sucks. And just, you know, I agree with you in that Powell, Galloway, and Rogers really will be carrying this team um, as well as Travis Etienne in the passing game, I guess, Ben, like it is interesting too, that True. the team, the team, um, you know, has tried, tried other guys. I mean, EJ Williams didn't, didn't really play in this game. I would say he'd be the fourth guy that I would throw into that mix uh, that can make an impact on a game. I don't know if he was feeling anything coming off of that pit game. We know he took a pretty tough shot in the middle of the field, I wouldn't be surprised if he had some dinged up ribs or something like that. Well, and he's from Alabama. So he, you know, he's not used to this cold either. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just question whether these wide receivers can line up and and beat elite cornerbacks. Um, You know, that was an issue kind of in the 2015 national championship game, Ohio state gave us trouble, a lot of trouble last year with some really great um, uh, guys in the secondary. Uh, so I question that. I mean, obviously I have faith in Rodgers and Powell, but you know, we'll see. But yeah, I think it is getting creative with like Galloway and Davis Allen and Travis Etienne. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I also don't know if there's just a lot of stud secondaries out there right now. Does how's well, Alabama look right? So they're, they're vastly improving in that aspect of their defense. Um, they've got, um, they, they have Sertan. They have a couple other guys back there that are, um, right. That are solid. Is it certain? Yeah, I think so. That out. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, Alabama would be the one team that we'd be facing down in the playoff that, you know, could potentially shut down Clemson's receiving core, you know, the, the actual wide receivers, uh, but Ohio state, you know, that is a weakness of their defense. So that's an area that you really would, would want Clemson to be able to expose. Um, and then, then it could be just a runaway victory for Clemson against Ohio state. 
we'll get into the Buckeyes soon enough here. But yeah, I just worry I that, when, if we start playing like taller uh, teams that have like taller, more physical cornerbacks. How does Amari Rogers and Cornell Powell stack up? But um, yeah, they, they I, definitely I we'll don't have out. that high point high point capability and go up and fight for a pass the way that T and Justin Ross clearly did in seasons past. And that we were hoping we'd see out of Frank Latz and Joseph Ngata. Right. Yeah. But 2020 is weird. Uh, so I guess that's the, wouldn't be as fun to watch Ben if we just had every, everything firing on all cylinders all year. So that's a good point. You know, the, 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 the interesting thing about this year too is, you know, it hasn't really been COVID that's been the problem. It's been injuries to our starters uh, at a rate that I don't think we've seen throughout this entire run, right? Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. And Clemson, you, like a lot of key guys have been down just due, due to injury. Could this be an indirect effect of COVID, though? Like either with offseason prep? Um, well, that's what, know that. you know, Dabo was asked that, of whether the conditioning um, a few games ago, whether the, the lack of conditioning or the ability to, to get in shape in the offseason uh, had anything to do with that. And, you know, he, of course, was like, I don't know. I can't speak to that. Uh, but I, I think it's certainly a valid question um, because yeah. it, injuries are up around college football, not just on the Clemson football team. Right. Yeah. I think there's definitely something to that, whether or not it is striking Clemson, either only thing we know, like I do think we in the past seasons really got through with really good injury luck and you, you want to credit, you know, the nutrition staff, the strength and conditioning staff, but luck plays a huge factor and Clemson was lucky. And maybe there's a degree of unluck happening this year. Well, the good news is that most of the guys are getting healthy at the, at the right time. I think Scalsi held out because of precautions. Um, but yeah. And which is smart. We want to touch on the offensive line here before we jump off the offense. We've um, been very fortunate there this year, as we have been in, in, in recent years of uh, being pretty injury free across the offensive line. And we know that could be a big issue for us, given how much we struggle with the guys, uh, the youth behind the, the starters and really kind of struggling with the starters themselves. You know, I think the offensive line played okay in this game. You still see in Jordan McFadden uh, with a bust or two. And, you know, I think out of all the guys on the offensive line, the one that I'm most disappointed kind of in the performance year has to be Matt Bockhorst. Um, you know, Jackson Carmen hasn't played perfect, but he's still been a really really good left tackle this year. McFadden has held his own. Um, obviously, in pass protection has been overall good this year for Clemson. Um, Kate Stewart is what he is. Um, I don't think we went into this season expecting he was going to be an All-American center. Um, and so, I really, yeah, I really think it's – Bockhorse, I just expected more out of him. I've seen too many mental errors, holdings, and, and false starts, and then – busts on plays so you know I, I think if we got some better play out of him um that the offensive line might be a little better but yeah I don't know and we did mention earlier the bounce back from the running game pretty impressive yards per carry I but I not when wanna... he, but not when ETN's in there that's that's yeah. the the interesting part of it well, what I was going to say though is um Yes, we hope that that is a sign of things to come. Agreed, not necessarily an ETN's in there. Virginia Tech, though, their defense is really lousy um, in terms of line yards and just what you would expect kind of on, like, the, the number of yards you would credit them with stopping um, kind of in the short running situations. And 
mean, I'm talking about like in the triple digits in terms of national ranking in, in stopping the run. So um, I guess we, unfortunately we don't get a, a warm up game here before Notre Dame to be able to see, you know, if, if we're seeing sustained signs of success from that O-line and the running attack. Because uh, Notre Dame, by contrast, you know, those same kind of uh, line yard stats, they're number one in the country at um, standard down, like a running, a, a down where you would expect a run play. They're number one in the country and um, same goes just for across all plays. Well, don't run it on those downs. Like you saw in the pit game, right? We threw a lot on first down. So uh, it, it, we didn't really, obviously we focused more on the run in this game. So it's obviously situational, but um, right. considering our struggles against Notre Dame in the run game last time, you know, I think about it a little bit differently on the second go around. And so the same, the same way that I think on defense, at least early on, uh, just kind of the game in general where Virginia Tech was limiting our offensive possessions, those guys in the offense also had to sit on the sideline for extended periods of time in that cold weather, 30 degrees or whatever it was. And you just tighten up, man. So yeah. know, I don't want to blame the cold weather on this, but I certainly think it had an effect. And given some of the sloppiness in this game, some of the bad plays, I'm coming out of it not worried at all. Again, at the end of the day, 145 to 10, so. Yeah, if we want to look ahead to other opponents, so uh, Pitt really strong up front. Um, just you know, for a comparison, we mentioned Notre Dame's like first in the country. Um, Alabama, this is actually an area of their defense that you're that you are able to run on. Uh, is Alabama's defense? They're like 50th or 60th in the country, depending on the metric. And then um, Ohio State, uh, this actually is a strength of their defense. So they're they're going to be right up there with Notre Dame and with Pitt in in the top top 10, top five teams in the country. So um, Clemson's offense is going to need to make its hay other ways against really what's going to be most likely our next three opponents um, with the exception of Alabama. So maybe that's where you do see Travis Etienne get more involved in earlier downs. Um, but fortunately, this is a multidimensional offense with Trevor Lawrence in there, and you can get a numbers advantage with Trevor Lawrence running the ball. Right. So obviously when you game plan, you're going to scheme to take advantages of the areas in which you excel, but also to prey on the opposing team's weaknesses. Uh, so it's going to change from game to game. And we mentioned this last time, this is actually from a Tiger Illustrated article. Um, Clemson doesn't need to run the ball well to win games and win national championships. National championship games in the past, we haven't run incredibly well, but it's about all the other things that you do. And as long as we're able to throw the ball, move the ball, or get creative with Trevor running the ball and, you know, utilizing the tight ends and ETN out of the backfield, we're still going to be able to move the ball and win games. But when kind of all of those pieces start breaking down, uh, that's when it becomes an issue. I'd be much more concerned with this offense if the offensive line was struggling at pass protection as opposed to, to run block. Yeah, 100% agree. I remember, Ben, in the 2016 2016- national championship game against Alabama, just saying like with Wayne Gallman, you Wayne Gallman, you just have to get, you know, three and a half, four yards of carry just enough to keep them honest in the running attack. And that is exactly what he delivered in that game. And it made a huge difference. Otherwise they were just going to key in on Deshaun, try to shut down Hunter Renfro, Mike Williams and um, Jordan Leggett. And Wayne Gallman unsung hero of that game. Yeah, and shout out to Wayne Train, man. He's uh, finally getting his uh, opportunity with the Giants in the NFL, and he's making the best of it. He's playing really well. 
Well, that does it for Clemson. I mean, Clemson's offense, Ben, 45-point performance. Uh, some of those points came for Darian Kendrick on the defensive side, but still very impressive victory. Virginia Tech, not a very strong defense, uh, defensive team, but still nonetheless, you know, we'll take that 45 spot on the road in the cold. Why don't we move on to the defense? Uncharacteristic first half for this defense, Ben. Uh, we mentioned early, earlier, Virginia Tech was being very methodical, very deliberate about using up as much of that play clock as possible between plays and also trying to mask uh, the play call that they were doing. A lot of the quarterback walking over, coach whispering in his ear what they're going to do, walk over, tell the team. They made use of the wristband on occasion and just really trying to, number one, stymie kind of the, the signal pickup that Brandville, Benables likes to do. Uh, but also just burn clock and try to uh, keep that keep that defense cold. And it ended up working for the most part in the first half. Yeah, and, and I think with Hendon Hooker, that was that was the game plan. Um, regardless, was to kind of slow it down. Um, he's a much better runner than, uh, than he is a passer. Uh, so that lends itself to that as well, right? Keeping the clock moving. But once he went out and Burmeister came in, I think that was definitely the game plan, especially as long as, as, as they were staying close, was to keep running clock, keep the ball out of the Clemson's offense's hands and kind of keep the ball on the ground. Don't make too many mistakes. Um, and they were able to do that for the most part. Again, it was just a very slow, sluggish first half in this one. You mentioned only four possessions for Clemson. And it's not that Virginia Tech necessarily – did anything well, you know, they kept the mall booming a little bit, but they really just held on to it and bled the clock. You know, it was more playing not to lose instead of playing to win. Yeah, I think you're right. And the whole kind of keep away, uh, try to control, control the clock and limit possessions that works. That's fine. If you're, if you're ahead or you're keeping this game close and tied and within reach. Uh, but I think once you got into that third quarter, and Clemson started to pad their lead, get into a two-score game, three-score game, you pretty much need to abandon that strategy because uh, you really need the clock to be able to come back. Right. And it's like Georgia Tech running a triple option, getting down by, you know, once they get down by two scores under Paul Johnson, you know, then they had to start throwing the ball, right? You got to come back. Right. Exactly. And in this one, I mean, well, I do want to call out one play. Like, this game could have been flipped on its head had Raheem Blackshear – thought to stretch the ball out over the goal line when he caught the failed Hail Mary. Um, DK, for some reason, was trying to intercept the pass instead of batting that thing down. In that cold ball. weather, too, with cold hands, man. Yeah, bat it down. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, kudos to Blackshear for catching that and having the wherewithal to pick that out of the air. It was a great play. But, but crazy, he didn't then think to, like, either go low and dive in or stretch out. All you got to do is break the plane. I don't think he expected to catch that ball. Yeah, it was a pretty, pretty bang, bang play. So the fact that he was able to catch it was phenomenal in and of itself. Certainly a hold your breath moment for Clemson fans because we could have gone in tied at 17 going into halftime. So a little right. sigh of relief there after uh, he wasn't able to get in. But yeah, just a poor decision by Darian Kendrick there. Um, he made up for it. Yeah, obviously a moment. He made it up for it with the fumble return uh, for a touchdown. So um another th way the defense really picked up on the offense is after trevor's interception there in the end zone you know two players slayer Mur murphy forced that fumble 
the the Goodrich recovered. So um, we, we kind of asked about the standouts and stars in this game. Miles Murphy, man, I think he was ACC Rookie Player of the Week uh, for the defense, and he had a really great game. That kid has continued to develop, to develop um, as the year has gone along. I actually kind of think uh, in surpassing kind of Brian Bersay a little bit, who I wonder maybe he's hit a little bit of a wall. I'm not sure. Um, but Murphy continues to be a, a force there on the edge. And, you know, as long as we're keeping those guys healthy, uh, specifically Tyler Davis, you know, we're going to cause problems for, um, for offenses. And it's going to help uh, take some of the burden off of our secondary to stay in coverage for extended periods of time. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Virginia Tech actually did have some explosive plays in this game. They had uh, three pass plays go for over 40 yards. Uh, none of those for touchdowns, actually, which is interesting. But um, they're able to um, get some things moving in the passing game um, with Braxton Burmeister coming in to back up Hendon Hooker, who went out. I think he, he kind of fell awkwardly taking a sack early on, Ben, right after. I, I, it was a sack, but it was also he botched a snap. I think it was in the first or second series. Um, Hooker only had one pass attempt on the game, and he actually came back at one point in the second half. That's when he went out and looked to, looked to have uh, what we later figured out was like a temperature-based seizure of sorts. Um, well, he was you just, mentioned he was, he was freezing cold. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned he he will recover from that based on what we've read and heard. Like, is, is that what hypothermia but, looks like? Like that was such that was such an odd moment, and I, I wasn't um, noticing as much on the on the first watch live when we were watching the game, but on on the rewatch, that was pretty concerning. Like especially if you didn't know. Of, of his condition that his dad explained layers uh, later is that he's actually had this happen before where he's literally just freezing cold um, and has the shivers, but uh, watching at it on the replay, like that was concerning. You were wondering if he was having seizures or there was a head injury or something. Um, and you were really worried for the kid. So um, we, we saw a scary moment like that with Kelly Bryant back in the t- 2017 season. It wasn't the Syracuse game. It was a different game. He actually came back fine in that game, but uh, it was, yeah, so I had a flashback to that moment. Um, yeah. But in any well, event, glad to hear he's, yeah. he's okay. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, Braxton Burmeister, though, I thought he came in. He went 10 to 12, uh, averaged 10.6 yards per attempt and or yards per completion, I should say. Um, didn't throw any touchdowns, but I thought he had a pretty solid game until he was knocked out. And they had to bring in a third stringer who actually, I think was the, their fourth stringer. I believe they said on the broadcast. They, they, so. He started the year as the fourth stringer, whatever. I yeah. uh, know if the, the, the original third stringer got hurt and moved him up, but dude, they, you know, they had those kids passing the ball still. They passed for 79% completion percentage in, in this game. It kind of makes you wonder why they didn't throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah, and I mentioned they they did they were able to break off 40 plus yard runs three times or sorry 40 40 plus yard completions three times. Um, those weren't air yards; those were definitely you know yards after catch for the most part. But agreed, Ben. I and I, I don't necessarily know that I would single out anybody in this game as you know botching coverages that sort of thing. I think just Virginia Tech's got a pretty capable offense and passing attack, and they've been plagued all year by a really rotten defense the strength of this team was really in their running attack and their right. RPO coming in. At least we thought it was going to be with hooker out. It wasn't as much that but they, they still did a pretty good job running the ball too. I thought in spots, um, though they're, though they're kind of average yard per carry doesn't necessarily show it. 
Uh, that Khalil Herbert nearly went for 100 yards on Clemson, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. No, certainly the strength of their, their offense. And, you know, I guess to answer my own question, why I didn't throw the ball more is because that wasn't in their game plan, right? They wanted to, to believe yeah. the clock through the running game. And, you know, it was somewhat successful, very successful, actually, there in the first half. You know, they only put up 10 points, but it was a close game. Um, and, you know, if, if they would have got that Hail Mary, it would have been a tight game. Um, but overall, I thought the defense played a good, solid game. Uh, the numbers don't lie. Um, yeah. You know, that second o- half, overall, they held the team to, to an average of 2.9 yards a rush. Um, so you'll take that. Obviously, sack yardage is, is counted into that. How many sacks did we have on the day? Two, only two sacks. Yeah, I think they were both um, on a hooker. 12 tackles for loss. So that's a pretty good performance. Uh, I'll say Levanta Bentley and Kane Patterson played really well in this game with Skalski going down and obviously Venables. Uh, I guess if we confirm that he has a broken arm now and it's going to get some pens in that, wrap it up and try to get back in there. Um for, yeah. for the for the playoffs maybe the ACC championship game but really great to see Bentley and Patterson come along and start to get some really good significant minutes um likewise with uh you know Trent Simpson I do wonder with Simpson is if they continue to uh to use him kind of in that DE role that de- de- defensive in position yeah, the dime, uh, the dime right, to, to rush the quarterback because uh, I, I question that against Ian book and Notre Dame because he's more suspect than making the wrong read on the long QB runs just given his his youth um, and he still needs a little bit more time to learn the system um, so we'll see where that goes but it's been great to see these young kids uh, come in and start making significant contributions because we're going to need them down the stretch and we'll talk later about uh, Ohio State and them only playing like six games and possibly getting into the playoffs. Uh, the advantage, obviously, of playing less games is your less wear and tear on your body. The advantage of playing more games is you get these younger kids an opportunity to grow up, um, learn the system, and get in there and start making plays towards the end of the year. You remember, for the guys who enrolled early, they only got like half of the spring practice. And then for the guys who enrolled later, obviously they only had the fall. Yeah. Which wasn't even a full fall. Um, that's a really good point, Ben. And I would say like, you know, Ohio state's case, I would, I would almost say that they're missing the, the reps, you know, to, to get their depth chart baked out, you know, to get, build the continuity within their full football team. They've got the talent. We know that, but this was a year where they didn't have all that continuity. I think one year ago, they had guys sort of peaking, ending up in the upper class at most most of their defensive positions. Um, so you could almost see if that team was forced to play fewer games, they would have been fine rolling into the playoff. Right. But I think when you've replaced a lot of those guys, I don't have the stats off the top of my head regarding you know the the returning production from Ohio State, but I, I believe they were sort of in the bottom half of the country um, in that regard. Well, and with you know Tyler Davis being out. Uh, earlier this year, uh, Xavier Thomas, obviously a slow start to the season, given his issues with COVID. Uh, Scousey being out, Bale Inspector's out, Mike Jones was out. Uh, you know, that, that really allowed some of these other guys to get in there and make plays. And, you know, then in that sense, too, because those guys out, you know, there isn't the, the amount of snaps that they would normally have this time of season on their body. So um, I'm not so worried about Clemson playing 
10, 11 games, whatever will be at this point, 11 after the ACC championship game, because I think it's actually going to benefit us. Um, and we talk about this every, every year, these young freshmen uh, coming in, redshirt freshmen, um, and their ability to progress over the course of the season and, and them ultimately making huge impacts later in the year. So you're starting to see that from a few of these guys. Um, and it's good to see because I don't think the, like, this is one of those years where I guess we're just going to have to expect injuries every single game being somewhat significant. So it's good to have these guys with experience in there to back them up. Yeah. And you saw on display in this one, Ben, um, Andrew Booth didn't play. I think he's nursing a, a deep bruise leg injury. Uh, so it definitely didn't make sense to run him out there in sub 40 degree temps. I thought, I mean, insofar as I was paying attention to it, I thought the secondary played a fine game. Nolan Turner was all over the place. Um, Goodrich also seemed to be, be prevalent. Um, only had two tackles on the night, but ultimately, uh, yeah, I thought played a pretty good game. So I think you're right. Like there's a lot of depth developing on this team. I'm curious, like, yeah, with, with what Bentley showed, like, is that it seemed like that was due to obviously Skalski being out and Jake Venables also going out. But I, I do wonder, like, is there a role that he could play even, even if you do get those guys back in? That's a good question. That kid is a monster, man. He had that sack. Um, there towards uh, was it, was yeah, that towards the end of the game or some crucial point in the game. I can't remember exactly, but he just came flying through. There was like a slow motion video um, I saw floating around somewhere. And then there was another run where they had up the middle where it was kind of bunched up. So you couldn't really see the hit, but the sound of the hit of, of him hitting the running back was. Yeah, it's just violent. Yeah, yeah it was I, violent. I love any, anyone from here on out to wear the number 42. I think just your eyes are drawn to that, that player. Um, yeah. So it's great. Yeah, no, um, really seeing really great things out of these guys. Keith McGuire is another guy as well, who had some, had a couple of good plays in this game. So the fact that these young linebackers are getting such good playing time, that's not a normal thing with, with Clemson and Brent Venables defense because of how complicated it is. It is. A lot of times you don't see guys come on to like their third year, uh, fourth year sometimes. So good for them to get experience and we'll see what type of impact they have. Um, now, if I'm being honest, I'd rather not see Bentley on the field that much moving forward because that means Skalski <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, is, yeah. is fresh and playing unless we get him some blowouts and he gets in there, then that's fantastic. I expect to see him come in maybe and spell him um, mm -hmm. uh, a little bit, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that works out. Um, yeah, one other, you know, just one thing about the, the secondary, is it just me? Is it like Darian Kendrick sometimes look like he's about as interested in, in tackling somebody as Deion Sanders was in his heyday? Could be. Yeah. I didn't notice that, Ben, but there's some, uh, there's some Ole's and kind of, you know, half hearted efforts. Right. Sometimes. Could, but, be, could yeah. be more. It's a mm. great, great cornerback. Yeah, and you just try – in this one, I, I think it's probably foolhardy to try to project anything from this game in terms of what you're likely to see out of Clemson against Notre Dame. Did want to point out Knox Kadem, that third, fourth-string quarterback for Virginia Tech, um, was able to move it on the ground a little bit. He had six carries for 24 yards along 19 uh, later on in that game. And we know Ian Book does like to run the ball. 
That said, I think this was at that point against a different personnel set from Clemson than, than we're likely to see in Charlotte. Um, I haven't checked the temps for Charlotte either, Ben. They're unlikely to be in the low 30s again, but we'll, who knows? As been before. Yeah, anything's possible. Um, but yeah, again, like holistically for this game, not a ton of forward facing lessons to take away. Um, I think there were some spots, pockets of poor execution, I would say, probably in the first half on Clemson's team that was ironed out and worked out later on in the game. Uh, comfortable win. Um, ben, I know you mentioned earlier, Will Spires, maybe we could kick it over to special teams. He had definitely his worst game of the season, I thought, in this one. And you can absolutely see that boiling back to, uh, to, to the cold in this game. Um, so, uh, you know, BT Potter hit a hit six extra points and a 28 yarder. Uh, so he's solid as ever, but, uh, Will Spires averaged 28 yards a punt, which we haven't really seen in a couple of years from him. He only had a, one kick of 40 or more. So only four punts on the night Clemson didn't have that many possessions, but, um, I, this is not cause for concern for Spires. I think it's entirely chalked up to the cold. I know he was kicking himself at one point for that really short punt on the field. Dabo was making jokes about that later on, but, um, that one seemed to be maybe more of a mental lapse than cold related. Yeah. Who knows? I know that ball can probably feel like a rock when it's that cold outside, by the way, it's 34 degrees in Charlotte right now. So uh, projecting right. ahead of the night game, it's, could be cold, could be raining, will likely be cold, possibly raining. Um, yeah, my one special team note. Bet the under. Yeah, my my one special team note was Spire sucked. Um, that's all I've got for you. Um, and that has been uncommon this season. He's had a really great year. He was, you know, better last year, and he's he's come a long way this year. I'm chalking it up as an anomaly in part due to the cold weather. Um, this is not indicative of his ability and we've seen that all year long. So yeah, it's not really that concerning to me. He was, he was hard on himself too, after a couple, he had a couple of bad puns. Yeah. No, nothing more to add for me on the special teams, maybe to wrap up thoughts on the game. Fairly well coached game from Clemson, I guess, Ben, like no, no hiccups. So we've been critical of the coaching staff in the past for, uh, transgressions throughout the game and throughout the season. So uh, yeah, I didn't really notice anything that was like a botched series of plays or poor, poor clock management or, or anything like that. I'm sure their game within the game, you could probably look at some substitutions and question why guys were in there at certain moments, but I don't know. I thought this was pretty clean. Yeah. Only four penalties for 30 yards too. Virginia tech on their side only had two penalties. So very, um yeah, not it, seeing the refs was a breath of fresh air it was fantastic right um yeah. i think we almost went the entire first half without a penalty um i feel like the first one came pretty late there well uh, i do okay so before we wrap this game i think we have to address the ian book interview and how ridiculous that was and that look, was the worst you know, part of the game for me absolutely was now you know that they did that because they thought this was going to be a Clemson blowout by that stage of the game. And they needed and was, to fill air time. They needed to fill air and like, look, all season long, Fowler and Herbie have been whining about how they've only called blowouts. So I think by this point, the production staff and like crew and everybody like was like, man, we really got to fill air and give these guys something to talk about so we can capture viewers' attention. So understand the impulse to want to try to do that when they saw that this was a seven point or like two score game by that, by the time Ian book came on, like 
cut the interview. He doesn't, he doesn't care. Notre Dame's not going to be pissed off about not making him available and, or ask him three questions and, and wrap it, make it a two minute segment. Instead, it felt like he was on there for like 10 minutes. He just kept lingering. <laughs> it was super creepy. Um, uh, um, I will say this uh, about Ian book. He has played a lot better this year than I thought he would and has progressed. He reminds me a lot of Connor Shaw and that's actually a compliment. Um, you yeah. know, Con- Connor Shaw was a gritty quarterback at South Carolina. He made some big plays, He took some hits um, and, you know, he was a bit of a scrambler. He would just get out there and, and, and run you weary. And I see that a lot in, in Ian book. So um, you got to give him credit where credit is due there. He has had a strong year. Um, I think Notre Dame fans were very down getting, on him he's getting, into this season. Right. And he's getting no Heisman chatter, which is somewhat interesting. It is interesting. I mean, I think definitely he's got the wins. I think if he was playing in September and early October, how he is now, he would likely be very much in the conversation. Right. So he's, he's definitely put it together. Maybe the coaching staff, they've got a new OC. Maybe they've figured out how to utilize him the best in this offense. Um, and I think their receivers are starting to come around too. I will say Ian Book kind of opened his mouth this week and talked about the Clemson matchup and how um, Trevor Lawrence doesn't play defense. Well, maybe he's forgetting or misremembering how many defensive starters and key guys went out during that game. Tyler Davis does. Jamie Skalski does. Yes. Mike Jones. Mike Jones Jr. So we'll see. I'll take the bulletin board material, Ian. Appreciate that. Um, you, you usually don't need to give that much to Dabo. So see what happens. Uh, but Ben, the week's a game and a half away, right? So uh, though it's cold in Charlotte now, anything can happen in 10 days' time. That is what's next up on Clemson's schedule. ACC was kind enough to give us a bye this week. We're going to use that. We should probably go play golf again, Ben, but um, use that to scout maybe Alabama a little bit more. Notre Dame's also off. Ohio State won't be playing. Uh, They've been given a a hall pass all the way to the Big Ten Championship in two weeks. So probably going to be a light game on the college football slate this weekend. Uh, I don't know if there's any games you're looking at, but in terms of the college football playoff race, yeah, it's pretty much all going to be about championship weekend. Um, we'll get into it in a minute here, what the latest rankings came out as and see if you have any thoughts on, you know, what, what things are, how things are likely to shake out. But um, I, I just want to maybe look back at this past weekend and ask you, like, did you catch that Coastal Carolina BYU game at all? I know it was going on during our game. Uh, I did not. Um, I caught the end of the game. Um, I was there with a guy who bet on a parlay with Indiana winning without Penix, Coastal winning. Wow. And Which they were like eight, eight point underdogs at home. Yeah. And yeah. who was the other one? Uh, Louisiana uh, beating App, App State. Um, so good night for that guy. But he was pretty happy afterwards. So we did watch the end of the Coastal game on our, on our phones. Yeah. Um, it was a, it was a, it was a great game. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, these are not elite college football playoff caliber teams right now, but I don't know. It was, it was just a fun, classic knock around college football game with a very exciting ending. Uh, I thought BYU is going to come down and win it truly. Yeah. And to see them come up short there. I don't know if it, if the quarterback should have let that play develop another second or 
you know, or what happened on that, but um, fun game and congrats to the shots players and their fans. Yeah. And good for South Carolina fans. Cause they got a bandwagon to jump on now because their team sucks. Um, and they're both in the playoffs and, you know, coastal coastal's undefeated 10 and rolling game coming up this weekend against uh, Troy, I believe. Um, so yeah, cool. Cool for them. I mean, other games from this past weekend, um, nothing of no, you know, Notre Dame handled Syracuse fairly easily. Who cares about like, I'm not going to talk about Ohio state much except for, um, um, the, the potential playoffs, um, cause they're playing a big 10 schedule that is, is pretty weak. Um, yeah, Notre Dame was sleepy early on. The like, Syracuse actually had the lead at, at one point, but I think it was, I think, well, Notre we're not, what, we're just, not one to talk when it comes to Syracuse. So I'm not going to yeah, give them crap for that. No, for sure. Uh, I think that, I think Notre Dame was just like not playing its brand of football early on in that game. So yeah, nothing to read into on that one. Now, the big story out of the weekend was really Indiana actually being able to, to, to go into Wisconsin and beat them without their starting quarterback, Penix. You got to think a team like Indiana loses their starting quarterback that they don't have much of a chance. But those guys are 6-1 and one with only a loss to, uh, what, Ohio State? So uh, c- congrats to them. Um, upcoming this weekend, yeah, I totally agree. I actually just found out that, that Cody pulled out of our, our golf um, – uh, our tea time this weekend. So if you want to fill a spot, <laughs> one thirty up near your Take way. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, not much going on this weekend. Um, I think really the only thing that I'm going to be looking forward to, uh, don't expect Troy to really give uh, coastal much of a game. I mean, you got a good ACC matchup in North Carolina at Miami. That's a 10, 17 matchup. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I, I think I'll be have my eye on that uh, Missouri-Georgia game to see if Missouri can upset Georgia. I think it's very possible. Yeah, they definitely could. Uh, Georgia's not the ninth best team in the country. Come on. No, they're not. They're, they're not deserving of that ranking, let's put it that way. But, you know, we won't get into too much of a critique of the college football playoff rankings. I'd love week. to see a Georgia-Miami matchup in a bowl game. That'd be fun. I guess what would Miami, that be? Miami, Miami, the peach bowl. Unless Miami goes to the orange bowl. Right. Yeah. I think we're slotted into the orange. Um, so I don't know that we would be able to play an SEC team. Uh, it wouldn't be, I guess it would not be a, uh, like it wouldn't be our automatic bid. It'd it be like be, Miami Cincinnati in the orange bowl or something like that. Right. Yeah. Cause Notre Dame won't be able to go. Right. So it's an at large. Assuming we're both in the playoff. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't studied too much like what, where the shakeout's going to be from the New Year's six games outside of the playoff. Obviously that's been Clemson's focus. Um, I guess, Ben, you know, let's, let's maybe pivot it to scenarios here. Nothing new has nothing crazy new has emerged too much with this, but I'll start with almost like the scenario we don't want to understand or here is like, what if Clemson loses uh, to Notre Dame, do we feel like that's an eliminator for Clemson for making the college football playoff? Not if A&M loses this weekend. Um, which and they barely got by Auburn. Which is going to be hard for them to do 
but they're not playing old because their game got postponed (laughs) (laughs) yeah gonna say um um yeah i mean it depends on i mean we have to look at that florida alabama game that's one that if florida wins could really kind of put the the top four into into chaos oh yeah we'd be we'd be hosed i think if yeah if florida wins and and we lose obviously ohio state a bit of a wild card not knowing if the college football playoff committee is actually although they have up until this point um kept them in that number four slot even though they're only five and oh they will only have played six games uh just over half of what the the other top teams have played um i I personally will find it asinine if they get in at only six and oh i don't care if they won their conference championship just playing that amount of games it should automatically disqualify you Um, well apart for the reasons that we talked about earlier um i wanted to talk about that though like i understand the the impulse to say that the playoff is, is though about the four best teams in the country. And I know, but can you judge that on a team who hasn't gone through the grind of a, of a full schedule? Like, yeah, some teams look great at the beginning of the year and they get some injuries or they wear down a little bit because they don't have a lot of depth or, if, you know, we, but we used if LSU would have played six games last year and that's all you had to judge them off of, they wouldn't have made the playoff probably. I mean, better certainly to have more data points to go off of. I guess is is the six win Ohio State team that we've seen, or five five wins so far. Let's say they obliterate Northwestern and look the part. Like, I don't know. Would you put A and M in over them then? No, I've been screaming at the top of my lungs. I put Cincinnati in. They unfortunately got their game against Tulsa canceled this weekend, but they still get to play Tulsa, uh, Tulsa in their conference championship game. I don't know how the hell the committee decided to move Iowa State up above Cincinnati in these latest rankings, given Ohio, uh, Iowa State has two losses, uh, one of them being to Louisiana, which, okay, great, they're 9-1, they're ranked, but it's still Louisiana. It's not a Power 5 team. That's a game that they should have that they should have won. Um, well, they got beaten by 17, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, first game of the year, sure, but still, it was Louisiana's first game too, I think. Um mm-hmm. And so, you know, Cincinnati, yeah, they've only played two ranked teams, but they beat two ranked teams. And Iowa State's only beat two ranked teams and lost to two uh, uh, ranked teams. So, yeah. yeah I, ULL I, has something like four wins against teams with winning records. That, that's a head-scratcher to me. And I think that, you know, I mean, what does, would Cincinnati really have had to I, I I'm not going to buy the argument that, well, Cincinnati would have beat Tulsa two weekends in a row. We'd put them in, but if they only beat them once in the conference championship game, nah, we can't put them in because of that. Like, come on. I only need to see look, them win that game once. Look, Ben, the G five is not getting into the playoff. Well, I know that teams. now they, yeah. they moved. I mean, as soon as they moved Iowa state, above that all but eliminates since they're not going to be able to climb that high that, that yeah, gives you an indication of what they think about i don't just mean this year i mean ever like they're uh, they said a 16 seed would never beat a one seed in basketball so i'm sure i'm sure one day virginia will get good at football game again and blow it and allow a g5 team behind them to get in <laughs> we will see i just don't see it i they, they don't contribute to the playoff financially so it's just the, the deck is stacked against them in every, every, every which way. Uh, it, it does suck. I do think Cincinnati is probably pretty deserving of more consideration than they're getting. This is a terrible year. Ideally, they would have played 
some power five competition, even if you're talking kind of middle of the road, ACC, SEC teams, if they're able to showcase that they can beat those teams, like definitely give them a shot, but I'm just going with the reality here. And I like, they're probably eliminated. And I just, I guess that's the question for the playoff committee. Like who and ESPN really like who's likely to give number one seed Alabama a better game, a two loss Clemson or a one loss A&M that already got obliterated by Alabama. Like, I oh, think that's, yeah, of, the, of course, that's you're gonna, of, of course you're going to want to see the Clemson matchup. A&M is it's fool's gold with that, man. They're, they yeah. may be, they may be seven to one, but they're not seven great wins. Like they've been sneaking by people beat a bad right. Auburn team by 11. So that's where, I mean, again, it, you probably want to answer the question, like how badly does Clemson lose to Notre Dame in the, in the ACC title game? If it's a, if it's a de- decisive Notre Dame win, then maybe you consider leaving Clemson out, but it is a little crazy. And I, I definitely don't want Clemson to be the first two lost team to make the playoff. Okay. Let's yeah. And let's, Let's think it, logically here. They had to go two it, overtimes on their home turf to beat us with our backup quarterback and Tyler Davis, Jamie Skalski, and Mike Jones Jr. being out. This is not going to be a Notre Dame blowout. If, 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 if somehow they win this game, it'll be another close game. Now, my yes. question for you is, at this point, is Notre Dame just kind of in no matter what? Well, I'd, have, question, I'd have a hard time keeping them out yeah. Well, let me ask you, Ben, like, what's the worst case scenario for the ACC? Clemson loses. They only get one team in. I think if Clemson wins, Notre Dame's in, even right. if it's like a really considerable margin. So my question for you then is why play the ACC title game? I've, I've heard that um, because that would be that's that's poor gamesmanship, I think. Um you know, Greg well, Sankey like changing the, the rules on your yeah, changing the rules to ensure your team games. gets in. Yeah, yeah. You know, Greg know. Greg Sankey with the uh, the SEC commissioner was uh, uh, kind of giving the ACC crap for clearing the table this weekend for uh, Clemson and Notre Dame not to be able to play heading into the ACC championship game uh, on the twelfth um, or sorry the nineteenth. And I'm like, listen, dude, we're going to be playing the same amount of games as yours teams have play a conference championship game on the same weekend your teams have. We started the season early. Okay. Yeah. Of course we get an extra buy in there. Whatever. Also several, several other points. You were too afraid to play the ACC and rivalry games. Right. So let's not hear it. Also fine. We'll play Florida state. Like, do you think that's preventing us from making the ACC championship or the playoff like Florida state? Because that, and we were ready to play Florida state. Yeah. And apparently now that you can rewrite the rules, like if he would have let us play South Carolina this weekend, I guarantee you we would have done it. Yeah. Hell, we still might. I bet Dabo would lace him up for that if given the chance. I don't think at this point. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> not, um, not enough time to game plan, but yeah. No. Yeah. So no, I, I'm up. not advocating for that Shut outcome. Up, um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not advocating for the ACC to, um, sidestep this game like i want to see this matchup I, I want clemson to get revenge we may not get the chance in the playoff i guess if the acc were to or you know a legitimate excuse to cancel the game comes up because either team has an outbreak or something else happens um yeah maybe the playoff is just like fine you guys are two three you'll remain two three right play in the rose bowl 
or wherever. Well, they sure as hell better put us in if Ohio State's going to be allowed in at 6-0. and um, Yeah. I mean, it's a, it, it's a super bizarre year. Could get even more bizarre. Like, we'll see. But um, I also want the opportunity to, to play uh, Notre Dame two more times so we can end the season two and one against them instead of one-on-one. Yeah, sounds good. I, I don't know. I think the least likely outcome here is that Florida beats Alabama. I would say yeah. Notre Dame probably has a better chance beating Clemson than Florida does beating Alabama. You see that in the point spread. Clemson's a seven and a half point favorite against Notre Dame on a neutral field. Alabama's 14 and a half against Florida. Um, but even, even still, I would say like even longer odds for Florida to, to do it. Um, which again, I think that all but, all but assures that we're going to have like the current four make it. I think Ohio State's just in. I don't, I don't know. I think it's the existing four. I hope. Probably with a Clemson victory, an Alabama victory, and an Ohio State victory in their respective games. Well, so I guess the question is, I guess if Notre Dame loses. Do they go to four? And do you put Ohio State? The logic is right now that Clemson's nine and one and ahead of Ohio State. Like, does a Northwestern team change your mind about how good them beating them? Change your mind about how good Ohio State is? Well, I don't think Ohio State can jump Clemson if Clemson wins this week. No, I'm right talking now. about them jumping Notre Dame, though. Oh, I see. Um, now, don't get me wrong. Bring on Ohio State. Like, if they, they would only in, do I, it. I, I want ben, I think they'd only win. do it to avoid it. They would, they would do it to avoid a back-to-back Clemson-Notre Dame game as the third installment this year. Like, I, I guess, man. I hate that. They're supposed to pick the four best teams and put them in the right order regardless of anything else. Yeah. Obviously, it's yeah. about the money. Um, well, what you were saying just there, I want Ohio State as like the like I, I'd prefer to avoid playing Notre Dame in back-to-back games. Um, I'd love to crush Ohio State, especially yeah. this year. And after all, yeah. That well, I think we match up really well year. against them. I think just you know, even if you take the the feud aside between Clemson and Ohio State over the years, really one-sided. If we're being honest, um, even taking that aside, like the matchup on paper. Ohio State's pass rush, not great, or pass protection, not great. Their secondary, not great. Like both of those things are strengths of this Clemson team. So, yeah, I think the matchup's really strong. Now, if Clemson does lose, but but hang on to that fourth spot, then we're facing Alabama. Yeah, I don't like Alabama in a semi. And there's not going to be the normal, like, one month prep for Saban in this one, but. Uh, and that game will likely be in New Orleans. That's a house of horrors for us right now. Like that's the scenario we all want to avoid. You know, they're but talking I, about moving the the Rose Bowl, um, which. So I wonder. I'm thinking they should just put everybody in a bubble down in Miami, and just play all the games I, there. I think that's a great idea. Um, Miami, Atlanta, like whatever you want to do, like go go for that. It makes a lot of sense. Kill the unnecessary travel. If, you, if you're not letting full fan capacity into a lot of these stadiums anyway, like, what's the difference? What's the point? Right. Well, and I think, um, I mean, you saw it be successful at the NBA bubble. We're only talking about you need the teams down there for, like, what, two weeks? We're playing on yeah. back-to-back weekends. Um, and they're doing a lot of schooling and everything virtually any, anyways now. Well, I think they are yeah. at Clemson uh, after the Thanksgiving break. Um, or maybe it was after fall break or something like that. They, they started on it. But – uh yeah, I, I just I don't see why I don't do it to preserve, um, you know, 
the, the opportunity to get both of these games in. Get them in and yeah, you, you just reduce the variance of the number of guys that can come down with COVID. So, well, and that, that's a, and I'm sure there's uh, contingencies in case a team does come down with COVID uh, prior to either, you know, any of the playoff games, because they're still going to have to play the game. They're going to have to move. Right. Them. Yeah. Potentially. You mean reschedule? Reschedule. Like the date? Yeah. I, w- I just wonder what the, like, at what point do you, wh- where's critical mass to do that? Like X percent of players on the team. What if it's Trevor Lawrence? Knock on wood. He should be immune. But yeah, like if it's a high profile player, like, and you can wait a week, like, do they do that? Are they willing, going to be willing to do that? Well, not, not I, sure. I don't think for one individual player, I'm talking about if it's, if it's an out. Yeah. If it's like half a yeah. team. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's being discussed, but you would think so. Yeah. Well, you know, the top top six or whatever did not change this week. It's really been a static uh, pecking order so far this season in the college football playoff ranks. But plenty of intrigue around kind of the eligibility to make it, and you know, and all of those things. But it does suck. I mean, we're losing a lot of rivalry games this year, and. We know the Clemson, South Carolina one went by the wayside. I don't think Wisconsin, Minnesota is going to get in. They, I think they were one of the only rivalries that's longer than the consecutive games played with Clemson and South Carolina. So uh, I don't know, you know, sucks that everyone is going to lose their rivalry game. It looks like Washington, Oregon's not going to play. There's a few others. So uh, it's just a bummer of a year, but I'm glad we have any football at all to talk about. It's yeah welcomed welcome thing this fall and that we're only missing two games here we only right for clemson nine and one ten and eleven normally you play 13 games through the acc championship game at this point we're gonna play 11 right that's true yeah we're scheduled to be missing one and then we have the florida state game go away yep um all right well that's all i got ben probably good for this week Thanks for everyone tuning in. Appreciate the listens. Appreciate you guys telling friends. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, we'd love it if you could go and leave us a five-star review over on iTunes. If you've listened to the show for a while, we'd love to hear from you over there. Um, and really it helps us get the word out about the show. So thank you for that. We will be back next week. We've got a special interview coming up with someone from the Notre Dame side uh, that we will be getting on the air. So stay tuned for that. Really looking forward to having that conversation and hearing a little bit more from the inside on Notre Dame. Um, After that, we're going to have the ACC title game. We will be tuning back in with y'all to recap that game, look ahead to what's next for Clemson, hopefully a college football playoff berth, and, yeah, just really really get into the meat of this schedule. So, uh, Ben, you got anything else? Well, I didn't know about the Notre Dame interview. I'm looking forward to that. but man, shout out to Clemson basketball, baby. 4 0 to start the year with wins over Mississippi State, Purdue, and Maryland. You know, two Big Ten teams and an SEC team. And they throw South Carolina State in there. And they dominated or played really well, um, leading most of all of those, you know, most of the time in all of those games and winning by, I think, double digits in all of them, I think, maybe. But uh, the team is really deep this year. You're seeing a lot of those, uh, uh, some really good freshmen come, coming in. I think it was probably Clemson's best recruiting class last year in the history of the basketball program, certainly in the Brad Brownell era. Um, and then you're having guys who sat out last year 
um, Bear, who came in and, and played a couple games for re-injuring his, uh, his knee, and then Nick Honor, uh, the transfer from Fordham, who played really well in the World Games for Clemson last year, but was denied um, eligibility. And, and so he's back this year as a point guard, and they're expecting big things out of him, a really great shooter, and the, him and Dawes in the front court. Um, or sorry, leading the, the, you know, the point guard position um, and just the, the, the wealth of other guys. It's a huge upgrade in talent. Also, Amir Sims, of course, um, huge upgrade in talent across the board for this Tiger team. And this is shaping up to be at least the second best of the Brownell era. We'll see how far they can go. But I, I'm thinking at least the sweet 16 for this team. But uh, it's going to be fun watching them this year. Um, as long as uh, Coach K doesn't uh, get the season canceled, um, but uh, yeah, really, really excited to this uh, to this team. Uh, for what? Uh, excited, looking forward to watching this team. Hundred percent, they're fun to watch, man. I watched that Purdue game, uh, caught a little bit of the Mississippi State game as well, and I didn't didn't catch any of Maryland earlier, but it was a little early in the day out here on the West Coast, but. Yeah, those are three like resume defining wins, Ben. And yeah, it just it it lowers. Clemson usually loses. Yeah, it finds a way to lose. You know, at least one or two of those. So uh, great stuff, and that really you know increases the margin of error in the ACC schedule coming up. Right. Especially in light of who knows how many of those games you're going to play. And the so, season's already shortened, anyways. So those are huge wins. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, how many games are they likely to play this season relative to the what they play 35 normally, right? Uh, something around there. I think the schedule yeah. took like a 10 game hit or something like that. Yeah. So like these yeah. are these are counting like every two wins is like, I don't know. It's like, yeah, they cut a third of the season. So um, in any event, they all matter a little bit more and to go three and zero against power five conference teams. You know, and these are some of these programs are, you know, are top tier um at least purdue you know they're they're an elite 18 recently so um good stuff all around i'm ready for the brown eight brownell haters to be silenced i'm not saying that's the best clemson can do in terms of a head coach hire but you know he's done well I, he deserves some patience and he's done well bringing his types of guys in to get us to the point now we're recruiting is in a good spot and now let's see what he can do in terms of an X's and O's coach. Yeah, man, got Alabama coming up uh, this weekend, so another um, Power Five team there, and then we uh, kick off the ACC slate uh, after that on the fifteenth. So, yeah, looking forward to watching Clemson basketball this year. Do we play South Carolina? Are they we on do. the schedule? We do on the nineteenth, okay. on the cool. same day. Oh yeah, it's always right around the same day as Notre Dame, huh? Yep. It's at nine a.m., so it shouldn't conflict. Okay. 9 a.m. West Coast. Okay. Yes, better. <laughs> a lot better. All right, cool. Well, uh, that's all we got, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers.